This morning, we were continuing our series. We took a, a step back from our foundational, and we're looking at heroes, the unsung heroes in the Bible, which brought up some really good memories about heroes and superheroes in my life, because I did grow up in the era of Wonder Woman. Yes, there was that, that era. But by all means, all superheroes, and you do have to understand, um, and we will, go, we will get to the reading, it's all together because it is lengthy with Ruth. And when you look at the definition of superheroes in the Webster Dictionary, it says, fictional hero with extraordinary or superhuman powers who is exceptionally skillful or successful they have the ability to constantly seek justice in what is right. Well, in my family, and it's oh so befitting that today is May 5th, because if you were on social media, you might have had an inclination of who my superheroes were if you were on social media yesterday. Did anybody here, May the 4th, be with you? If you come to my brother's house or my house, you will see that all of our children, yes, they do have their own personal lightsabers. <laughs> Even the little one. Star Wars was, in essence, part of our culture growing up as kids. And it is so much so that when I was looking at this series, I said, oh, isn't that always right? You know, they're always using the force, right? letting it guide them, always trying to make these really good decisions and be these really great people, with the exception, um, spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen any of the Star Wars, for that guy named Anakin. You know, he, made, he, made some, he, he didn't make some bad choices there. But from him, we do get Luke Skywalker, right? So it does equal itself out in the Star Wars. So in regards to, regards to this, I was always interested with this ability of making choices and decisions. The choices and decisions between the righteousness and kind of the humanness aspect inside. So as I was thinking about it and I was going through all the people in the Bible and thinking about it, Naomi just kept sticking out in my mind. Naomi and Ruth. So we'll turn now into our Bibles and we will look at Ruth. We're going to look at the first chapter. We're going to look at verses 14 through 20. If you have your Bibles, leave them open because we might be going back and forth and jumping into it as we have um, our discussion this morning. But let me read you the entire passage first as we're here at this moment. Ruth 1, starting with verses 14 and 22. If you're there in the Bible, say amen so I know that you're there. Okay. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to take back from you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. 
May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on their way to Bethlehem, and when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And there ends the scripture for today. But being a, a hero, the Bible is, I mean, full of them. You start with our first, our, our savior, right? Ultimate. You go down and our kind of the next big hero would be David, right? That, that, that guy, he was literally a military hero during his time. But it's the unsung heroes of the Bible. We talked last week about James, Jesus' brother. Imagine living in that shadow when we discussed that. Pretty big shadow to live in. And here we are talking about Naomi. And mind you, we're talking about Naomi, and the book is called Ruth. But that whole first chapter is all Naomi. This whole first chapter. And it's that unlikeliness now, to give you a little bit of history in the context of this story, here is this woman, Naomi, who was returning to Bethlehem. Her, her husband, and her two sons had left Bethlehem because there was a famine at the time, which is interesting because Bethlehem literally means, the translation is, house of bread. So they left the house of bread, Bethlehem, and they traveled and they traveled some distance, about between a five, seven-day journey by foot to Moab, another area that worshipped a completely different God. And if you want to look on the spectrum of gods, we have our God, and they had theirs way over there. It was also a place where um, the Jews were also told during this time not to go, don't partake, don't because you could be corrupted in thought, in spirit. And so they were discouraged. But at the time, Naomi, her husband, and her two sons thought that that was a pretty good place to go. There was work, there was prosperity, they would try it. So they went. And what turned out to be a little bit of time extended a little bit longer. And a little bit longer. Husband passed away, and the two sons decided to marry two Moabite women, one named Ruth in the other, Orpha. Now, this is great. Naomi still has two sons. They got married. Everything's looking up. Okay. And then her sons die. And so here she is. And you remember from our foundation, it, 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 is a, it is quite substantial. Remember Sarah, who couldn't have a child, and that desperation she went through? Here is the mother who left Bethlehem completely full. She left with a husband and two sons. And now she has nothing left 
So she decides to return to Bethlehem. So on her way to Bethlehem, she's on her way and she's journeying with her two daughters. And she realizes they should not come with me. They should go back to their home, their house. They might have an opportunity to marry again and they could have children. So she lets them go to continue on to Bethlehem. Today, this scripture reading brings about three things that you can take note of in Naomi's example. The first is on her journey, she had a heartitude, as I like to call it. That change of heart. And that's okay. Because God's given us that ability to make choices in our life. And this is one of them. We can change. And so she has a heartitude, and she realizes, you know, I was cold, I was bitter, I was complaining. I need to go back home. I need to go back to Bethlehem. Recognizing our mistakes is recognizing our limitations. When we recognize our limitations, it's saying, God, you take the steering wheel. I highly recommend that you don't do this on Route 44 on the new rotary. Just but same principle, letting him go and letting him take the wheel. It's the difference between our humanness and our righteousness. See, sometimes we get caught up in our humanness, making choices and decisions, as opposed to our righteousness. As Christians, sometimes it's easy to, to do the things. Like, great, I can see giving $10 to a blanket for Mother's Day and making that dedication easy. Check that off the box. Okay, I, I can see signing up and volunteering my time for NAS. Great, I can check that off the box. But Christianity isn't left, our spirituality isn't left within checking off a box. It's all those other little moments in our life. I brought up the Route 44, and some of you chuckled because you've been there. It's that moment when you're about ready to go around the, the rotary, and you look at that other driver, and you've got some thoughts. Christianity is in those moments. In those moments, whether or not we're going to let our human side take over and have such very negative thoughts like, who in the world taught that person how to drive? <laughs> or within our righteousness, goodness gracious, let me bless this driver. Let me covet them. There's a difference within that. And as Naomi shows within this particular scripture and this, this section of it, she realizes... I've made a choice of my humanness. I left Bethlehem. I left the house of bread. I left where I was supposed to go. I started thinking other things. I went way off script. But you know what? God gives me the ability to admit that I am wrong and to make a change and redirect my course and plot a new direction. And so she goes and she returns to Bethlehem. Galatians 2.20 puts the scripture this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the flesh in the Son of God, 
who loved me and gave himself for me. He loves us. So much so that he allows us to say, you're forgiven and you can make a new choice. The second thing that Naomi shows within our scriptures is service to the kingdom. The letting go versus the clinging. You see these two daughter-in-laws. One, what does she do? Orpah kisses her goodbye, lets her go, and walks away. And the other one, Ruth, she clings to her. Is there not people or situations in our life that we have, we have prayed over? We have pleaded with God with? We have been desperate for him to plot a new course to help with that broken relationship. But yet that person, that situation, that season that we're in clings to us. Clings to us. And in this moment, you can see that Ruth does something. She asks her to go, but then Naomi does something where Ruth is asking and tells her, no, your God is my God. Where you go, I will go. I want to be with you. And Ruth says, yes. The clinging, letting God. There are some situations, some people, some seasons that even as uncomfortable as it is, God is placed in our path for a reason. Be it a season or not. And we like to shake it. We like to get it off of us. And God keeps letting it cling to us. Service to the kingdom. Oftentimes it's not about us. It's about somebody else. It's about what that situation is and what it can bring about. I always marvel at the story of Ravi Zachariah, if anyone is familiar with him. If you know of his story, he's an uh, evangelistic. He is a, a, a theologian who is absolutely uh, amazing to listen to. He likes to take on the difficult conversations, such as, if there is a God, how can there be so much suffering in the world? His, his speech and his debates, he goes and he preach, talks around, preaches and talks at different forums. He is converted and helped bring many people to Christ. But it all goes back to when he was 17. He grew up in India, and he said he was an atheist. And he grew up in India, and India has, he grew up with a very harsh father, and it was examination time, and he didn't do so well. If some of you have heard any of the recent stories in India with examinations and students actually have recently committed suicide over this because of what they thought were poor marks. And so here he was, and Ravi tried to do the same. He attempted suicide by poison, age of 17. He did that on the night where he had gone to a youth ministry gathering, and he had accepted Christ. And then he went home and drank some poison. 
There was a man who came to him in the hospital and gave his mother a Bible, opened up the book, and outlined a verse for him. John 14, 19. And he highlighted it and said, Because I live, you also will live. As the mother read this to Ravi, he was unfamiliar with the Bible and questioned his mother and said, Who says that? And the mother turned and had to continue through the Bible and said, Oh, it was Jesus Christ who said that. So Ravi right then and there decided that he was put on this earth to be of service to the kingdom and that if God allowed him to live, that's what he would spend the rest of his life doing. And he has so. The gentleman who gave him that Bible was the name of Fred Davis. Many years later when Mr. Davis was in hospice and passing away, Robbie reached out and called him. And they had a lengthy conversation and which Mr. Davis exclaimed to him and said, you know, of all the things that I've done in my life, of all the people I have brought to Christ, of all the ministry I have done throughout the world, I always thank God that I walked into that hospital room and gave you a Bible. Many times we are in our story, but our story isn't about us. As Christians, it was never supposed to be about us. It's the realization that we are here to be of service to his kingdom, to his glory. Who is the Ruth in your life? And sometimes it's not easy to express and share and Naomi goes through it, and she, they return to the city, and she says, you know, call me bitter. You know, the Lord's turned against me. And she tells them, she proclaims, I've had it rough. I made the wrong choice. You know, just recently my, my children asked me, and we were joking around at the dinner table, and they said, Mom, you were an angel, weren't you, growing up? Of course, to my reply, my human answer was, of course I was. To which my husband said, let's call your mother. <laughs> to which we did. And there is such a thing in this day and time known as FaceTime. And there we have my mother up on the phone talking, and the kids ask her immediately before I could prep her. And they ask her, Nana, was our mother an angel? And of course, I'm trying to do that thousand-watt smile to her. <laughs> Come on, Mom. Come on, Mom. To which my mother looked up from what she was doing, looked at the children, and said, absolutely not. <laughs> she was my worst biter. <laughs> I mean, she went down the list. <laughs> to which my children looked at me and said, Mom, you did all of this? And I said, yes. And probably some other things that thankfully Nana has forgotten at this moment. And we talked about it. But that is of us testifying and letting other people know that we are not perfect. We too have made mistakes. But we too have also found salvation and forgiveness through our Savior. 
For whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. John, 1, John 12, 26. And the last aspect of Naomi in this section of Ruth is grace given. Grace given. Our actions of grace open us to receive God's grace. Because you see, when we can humble ourselves, grace is like water. It flows even deeper. And when we humble ourselves even further, grace goes deeper. And when we humble ourselves yet again, it goes deeper still. God pours into us. It is that aspect of humbling ourselves, of pouring out our grace. You know, there used to be that phrase, let go and let God. I always pondered on that. I'm like, yes, I let go and I let God. But also as a Christian, there's another side as well. Let go and do as Christ would do. Sometimes we get, we hold ourselves back in the aspect of, I don't have to do anything. Well, that's not what Scripture says. That's not what God tells us, and that's not what Christ proclaimed. Works without faith are dead. We have to get to the doing. And so it's interesting that you get to that last part in the scripture, at 22, and they returned. And it was a barley harvest was beginning. Work was to be done. They were going into a season of work. And if you are familiar with the text and with the scripture, you know and you see that that is true. Because that's what Ruth goes and does. Because it is harvesting time. To do as Christ would do. To do the work. The saying, um, 1 Timothy 1, ver chapter 1, verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. We are sinners. We are sinners. We have a responsibility. Christ, Christ, through his crucifixion, offered us salvation. But he reminds us that we have work to do. That final verse is so impactful. Hartitude. She recognized her mistakes, Naomi. She realized that she had been following her humanness versus her righteousness. She returned from Moab to the town of Bethlehem. Service to the kingdom. Here, Naomi says, it's not about me. There is a woman who is clinging to me. There is a story here for Ruth. And then as she goes through it, she realizes grace gives. She returned to Bethlehem. 
at the barley harvest season. And because she returned, because she was steadfast, because she chose that righteousness and she chose to humble herself, grace was received because of all the fields that Ruth could have chosen. When you read the rest of the text, she just so happened to choose the perfect field. God guided her. She listened to the Holy Spirit. And she was planted within the field of Boaz. With Naomi's heartitude, with her service to the kingdom, and with grace given, she guides Ruth. Ruth enters Boaz's field. Naomi guides her. Ruth goes ahead and marries Boaz. And then from there, the story, the story that turns into a resurrection story with a love story in there, of how he loves us so, they go forth and they have a son. And Ruth, and the scripture goes and places her son, Obed, into Naomi's arms, and she looks at this child, who then will go on to be the father to Jesse. And Jesse then will go on to be the father to David. That David. I leave you with this in mind from Luke 14, 7. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here ends our lesson for today. Humbleness, our grace, our ability to choose between our human self and the righteousness. At this time in our service, we just take a pause. Because in the scripture, it tells us that that is so very important. It helps us make that decision between making the choice. Do I choose my humanness side or do I choose the righteousness side? It's the pause to reflect and to think. And that's what we offer at Altar Call. That time for you just to pause. The realization that we do not need to have all the answers. We do not need to know the whole story. Naomi didn't know the whole story, did she? But it's that time for us to say, Lord, I humbly come before you as your child. But also while I'm here about your kingdom, your servant, for there is work to be done. But I know I cannot do it without you. This is that time where if there is something that you need to bring to Christ, we offer you that opportunity to come forward and just to be prayed over and with. There is power, so much power in prayer. I ask if you are not coming forward at this time, I ask that you still keep your thoughts trained and focused on Christ. Don't let it wander. Focus in on it. Hear him talking to you. 
what it was that resonated about the scripture to you. And if you hear that gentle knock on your heart and soul that is saying, let me in. I need you. I want you. And we offer you that opportunity as well for those who would like to give themselves to Christ, for those who would like to rededicate themselves to Christ and saying, Christ, I have been in my humanness for far too long. I need to stand in your glory within your righteousness.